What makes Matt LaFleur such a unique coach? I understand after the week one performance, this might be a weird question to ask, but it's an important one and it could define this final chapter of the Aaron Rodgers era. So Kevin Clark from The Ringer joins us to talk about what he found in his journey to get to figure out what makes Matt LaFleur so special. Plus, before that, we dig into just what happened and how much is on the coaching staff for the stinker of week one. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Flotsam. Your team Pop. every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. The number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Kevin Clark joins us on the show today from The Ringer, wrote an awesome feature on Matt LaFleur last week, heard from Sean McVay, heard from Zach Taylor, heard from Robert Sala, heard from Mike McDaniel, heard from Aaron Rodgers. It was a terrific piece, and Kevin is going to give us um, the blow-by-blow of all of it from the anecdotes that stood out to him, what he's learned, talk about some quarterback play stuff too. So uh, a really fun interview coming up. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize. Picks, the best way to play daily fantasy. Pick two to five players. If you think they're going to go over or under their projections, you tell Prize Picks. And if you hit, you can win up to 10 times the money that you put in. And locked on listeners can get up to $100 deposit with a 100% deposit match when you use the promo code locked on at Prize Picks. All right. I understand that this is. Potentially a weird day to talk about Matt LaFleur and and laud Matt LaFleur. <sighs> After watching the game and then watching it back and then watching the coach's tape, I have come to the conclusion that the plan was not as bad as it seemed. Not, I would say not nearly as bad as it seemed. In fact, there were a couple plays, including the big 64-yarder to Justin Jefferson, where the Packers had the perfect coverage called for the play. They just didn't execute it. And on that play, I I had the clip, and I sent the clip to Dante, Dante Whitner, former 49er safety who played the Vic Fangio scheme who is an expert on safety play in particular and on this defense, no doubt. And he'd been on this show and and I texted him and I just said, can you help me out here? Like, this seems like a mess. He's about to get on an airplane. He calls me, calls me just to tell me how terrible the safety play is, was on that particular play. Both guys screwed up. And rarely are you going to have two guys as as good as Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos at their best screw up that badly on the same play. You're just usually not going to have that happen. It happened in this game. 
a lot of this was about execution. Now, the Vikings, credit the Vikings, they get paid too. They stressed the rules of the Packers spacing, and they understood how to attack this defense. The Packers, I don't want to say they didn't sufficiently adjust. They just didn't play any better. Like if a team is going to attack your rules, you need to know your rules a little bit better than the Packers played. Like not stuff that is really all that difficult to understand. Whether it is depth, whether it is understanding where Justin Jefferson is on the field, like that long play, Adrian Amos doesn't seem to have any awareness of where Justin Jefferson is on the field, pre-snap, post-snap, or as the ball is whizzing over his head. That is inexcusable. I think this is the single worst game I have ever seen Adrian Amos play. He is too good a player to play like this. He's just too good a player who has been in systems like this, the Fangio tree, for too long to play this out of sorts, to not know basic stuff. I know that in that room, over the course of the week, they talked about how to pass off crossing routes. I know in that room, they talked about if Justin Jefferson aligns in the slot and if he runs deep overs or what they're going to do. I know they talked about that stuff. So at a certain point, yes, coaching can can instill it maybe and drill it a little bit harder. But at a certain point, your players have to go execute. Okay. Rant over for the moment. But more than that, Matt LaFleur was asked about not playing more man coverage. And he said, well, we wanted to play a lot of zone. And so... We'd have to change the whole structure of our defense to let Jair Alexander man up Justin Jefferson. To which I say, okay, then what? Okay, what? Then why didn't you? And so I understand wanting to live in a certain kind of defense. I understand even wanting to live in this kind of defense, two high safeties, everything underneath, and you know, go rally to the ball carrier, don't give up big plays. The Vikings, by the way, played this same defense, more or less, and stymied the Packers because number one, they got pressure with four, much better than Green Bay did, at least more, much more consistently than Green Bay did. And they played their responsibilities on the back end. You play... This quarters, in a lot of cases, because you don't have the, the high-end corner talent. I think this defense could be a two-man, like Tampa Bay, blitz the daylights out of people, play two deep safeties, play man coverage on the outside, and just live with whatever happens. They could, de they could definitely do that. In a lot of, in a lot of cases, I kind of wish they, they would. Because they don't have the Aaron Donald game wrecker up front. But they do have a really talented cornerback room. So what, you, what do you do with really talented cornerback rooms? You play man. Well, okay, so I, I'm of two minds about this part of it too. The Packers did a really good job. Three of 14, the Vikings were offensively on third down. That's bad. Like, terrible. You're 30%. On third down, you don't win a lot of football games. It was on first and second down that the Vikings made a lot of their hay. When teams do play more zone coverage, when they do play these bracket coverages, when they do play these two shell coverages, 
That's what they attacked. Not in third downs when you're going to play more man. Not in the red zone when you're going to play more man. In fact, the Packers, they they stiffened in the red zone. They were good on third down. Now, you could say that's a reason to play more man coverage. And I would say, mm-hmm. But my point is, it was the Vikings attacking them when, when most teams are playing zone, or at least when more teams are going to play zone. It wasn't like the Packers were running this soft zone coverage in situations where a lot of other teams would be playing press man. That's just not what happened. This team needed to play better, but I also think that, that this coaching staff could be more open to the idea of being more malleable based on matchups, and this was one of those. Where like everyone knows how to run man. So if in the second half you need to go to some more man principles, then you you just do it. Now, ironically, in the second half, the Packers defense was very good playing this same style of coverage. So maybe you don't feel like it's that big a deal. You get you you broke down on a couple big plays, you gave up a, a week one script touchdown. Okay, you only gave up. The one other touchdown in this game, and that was on a first down busted coverage. You gave up a 60-plus yarder on a busted coverage. If you just tighten those screws a little, you're in good shape. I think that's a totally reasonable position to have. And you can play aggressive zone coverage. The 49ers and the Rams play aggressive zone coverage. It's not like you're being passive by playing zone. But I think what this Packers defense and this coaching staff would benefit from doing is just being able to say, okay, if your best player says, I want to take Justin Jefferson and Justin Jefferson is killing you in the first half, maybe in the second half, you give him some opportunities to shadow. These are pro players. You can call cover one and everyone knows what to do. And if they don't, then that's a reflection of the coaching staff too. All right, we're going to get to Kevin Clark in just a second, but before we do, let's talk about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy with a twist, right? Prize picks is going to set numbers for players to hit. Can they get to 300 passing yards? Can they get to 80 rushing yards? Can they get to four and a half catches? And you get to decide if you think they're going to hit those numbers. You pick two to five players who you think are going to score more or less than their prize picks projections. And if you're right, you get to win up to 10 times your money on the entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available, not just NFL. You like NBA, you like baseball, you like hockey, you like golf, you like college sports. It's all there for you. Entries can be made in little as 60 seconds. It's that easy, safe and fast withdrawals. And it is in over 30 states. It's in most of the country right now. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, you're going to get $100. You deposit 50 bucks, you're going to get 50 bucks. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on to sign up for that instant deposit match of up to $100. Our next partner has a product I use every day. I started taking AG1 because I'm really bad about taking my vitamins. And I, I don't like having to set a timer to do them. So AG1 just becomes a part of my morning routine. 
wake up, it's a scoop in water, and I'm getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole-source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help me start my day right. Helps my gut health, helps my nervous system, my immune system, my recovery, my focus, aging, my skin looks better. I got a new camera, my skin's got to be on point. AG1 can help you do all of that, right? You want to find a way to make your life more healthy. We're all trying to find that. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. Last time I went to my doctor, he said, you need some more vitamin D. Hey, now I take a tincture every day. And five free travel packs with your purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NFL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Joining me now from the rigor, he wrote a fantastic piece about Matt LaFleur, which I immediately called the definitive Matt LaFleur profile, at least Ooh. as a Green Bay Packers head coach, Kevin Clark. And, and Kevin, I want to start at the beginning with this. What made you say, hey, you know what make a cool story? This this Matt Lafleur fellow. <laughs> well, I was doing the 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 list for what I wanted to hit in training camp, and I, I always want to hit the most famous teams. I don't want to overthink this thing, right? Like you go to Kansas City, you do Mahomes and Reed, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. Like find a find a story. Um, it doesn't have to be just like I spoke with Josh Allen for twenty minutes, but like figure it out. And for, for me in Buffalo, for instance, I, I told the story of Ken Dorsey because you can tell the story of Josh Allen through the story of Ken Dorsey, Brian Dable, all that stuff. Right. So thinking about green Bay, um, I started to think, well, I've done Rogers a bunch. And at this point I would say, um, Rogers does so many different things. He's, he's on, I mean, like starting, you know, even going back to jeopardy, he's on McAfee, he's yeah. on part of my take the week that I was out there. And you know, I think the bar is extremely high for Aaron to to make news um, in 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 those things, and he does all the time. And he's he's an amazing talker. He's as interesting an interview as I I, I can get um, in the in the sports world. Um, but because of all of this, if you go in there and you say, okay, I want to do a big piece on Aaron Rodgers, well, like a I've I've done a bunch of them, and b like the it's just it's just hard to think of of something new that's not. You know, the same five things we've been talking about over the past year, um, off the field controversies, whatever, because it's so it's just well-worn ground in so many different directions. So I wanted to tell a Packers story without just saying, this is a story about Aaron Rodgers. And I thought about Matt LaFleur. And, you know, I think that the best stories are the ones that are right in front of our eyes. Um, like I always, I, I kind of sometimes have epiphanies where it's just like, I'll give you an example. Like one time I was on a flight and I was just like, like nobody's writing Blake Bortles the year that the, 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 the Jaguars were whatever, nine and one. And it's like, just go down there and figure out what's going on with Blake Bortles. Like there, there's always these stories where it's like, nobody seems to be telling the story that's right in front of us. And, and with Matt LaFleur, um, obviously significantly more talented person than, than Blake Bortles. But I'm just saying the obvious story is- Hey, Packers old, legend, Blake Bortles. Don't forget. Exactly right. My point is the, the obvious story is usually the story that you want to tell and you can dig into in an interesting way. And so for me- I wanted to tell the story of a guy who's won more games in his first 40 games than Don Shula has, um, who, if he wins in week one, he'll reach the 50 game threshold and he'll be on pro, uh, pro football references, all time winning percentage list. And he'll beat out guy Chamberlain, who, by the way, you know, I, Peter King asked me this earlier this week and, and I, he asked him about guy Chamberlain, guy Chamberlain inherited a team. Now there was a guy between it, but he inherited a team that Jim Thorpe built. Okay. 
So you want to talk about like who who gets credit and when all that? No, Matt Lafleur is Aaron Rodgers. Guy Chamberlain is the winningest coach of all time. He inherited Jim Thorpe's team. So who's really responsible for that? You know, come on. System um, coach is what I hear you saying. Coach. It's exactly it's exactly right. Um, Jim Harbaugh, by the way, is like the third winningest coach in history. Um, but this is a guy who just wins more games than anybody. And you know, I, I, it was interesting because I get a lot of pushback from from Bears fans, from Lions fans, from Vikings fans. I don't know if you, if you saw it, but it was a small percentage of people who read it. Where people say anybody could go with Aaron Rodgers, and it's like, well, why didn't Mike McCarthy? If it's so easy to win 13 games, then why didn't Mike McCarthy do it in any of the seven chances he had after 2012? <laughs> right, exactly. um, and that, to me, was the story. It was an obvious story. This guy wins. Why? And then why doesn't anybody care? What I thought was so interesting is you didn't just like talk to Packers players. This is a a tree of coaches that is around the league. Half the league now has a Shanahan McVay tree coach on it. So you had a pretty wide range of not just guys, but high profile guys that you could go to Robert Sala. Now Mike McDaniel, Sean McVay, of course, Kyle Shanahan. And so you get to talk to all these guys about Matt. And what I thought was so fascinating was they all, even though, you know, uh, Matt LaFleur doesn't have the same sort of public profile that those some of those other guys have in the case of Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. His peers talk about him in the same yeah. sort of way. What stood out to you when you talked to his peers? Aside from Mike McDaniel saying that Matt LaFleur was the best person he's ever met. <laughs> I love that. That stood out. I'd say that stood out. Um, no, what's interesting to me is what the, what it really impresses them is the way he's changed his offense, the Shannon McVay offense, which, by the way, is, is the backbone of everything they do in Green Bay, but they've changed a lot to accommodate Aaron. And I don't think unsaid in that story, even though Mike Daniel said, listen, we don't audible a lot, Aaron audibles, he let, Matt lets him audible, it's all great. Um, Sean McVay says, you know, the, the way he's able to blend that has been really incredible, has been the, the trademark of, of the Packers offense. What left unsaid is, I think there are people in that tree who would say to Aaron, this is my system. Let's do this. You've, you failed. I mean, there's so many guys that you didn't, you know, you didn't you, you stick with me, buddy. Um, and instead Matt LaFleur almost NBA ish was like, all right, here's what I like to do. Here's what we like to do. We went, we recreated in, in the story of play called strike, um, which it took a while for Aaron to get comfortable with because it's basically a blind throw. Um, you have about a half a second to read the defense. It's a quick play action turnaround. Your back is to the defense, almost the entire play. Rodgers got comfortable with it. Having said that, they're on the flip side, plays that were they never got comfortable with. And Matt said, okay, this just isn't going to happen. And, you know, they ended up after the first year on a bunch of Zoom calls. Nathan Hackett was also on those calls. And they basically figured out, like, what, what do they like? What do they not like? Let's just build an offense because we're not doing anything else in this world. Um, that, to me, is fascinating. And I think what, what stands out about what McVay said, about Sal, what Salah said, Mike McDaniel, Mike Shanahan, who I talked to, um, I think that they are impressed with the way that they, it, he's taken what they all know, that whole offense, and modified it because it takes a lot of talent to hit that right balance. That's what stands out with the rest of his uh, his coaching uh, comrades. They're sort of directly addressing this criticism, right? The, oh, yeah, he has Aaron Rodgers. It's like, no, this was actually not an easy thing for him to take this this you know yeah. this, this architecture and adapt it for this you know, savant at the quarterback position. It's not like that. But what also I think is so fun about this, and this was something I was hearing from players is right away, like in 2019, that they're just sort of like dudes being bros, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. Like their relationship is very much just like the way you would think two 
you know, guys in their thirties, but definitely guys in their twenties behave where it's just like, they're, they're just sort of relentlessly giving each other grief. Trolling each other constantly over and over again and and knowing kind of where that, that line is. I, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, they're almost, I don't even know if this made the story, but Mercedes Lewis says he almost views Matt LaFleur as a business partner. Like they're, they're just in this together and it's not necessarily, I don't think I've made the story, um, but it's, it's not, it is a coach relationship and Matt LaFleur has authority and he's not going to let anybody give him shit or whatever. But on the other hand, like they kind of know where Matt LaFleur stands and everything. They want everything to be player led. And that's, that extends to Rogers 1 million percent. And you see that they go at each other. Uh, they're both Rogers and LaFleur are extremely comfortable being totally blunt. Like, you know, it was not, I saw a little bit, you know, in the story, we talked about how basically um, I think it was um, Steno, the new, the new OC basically was like, Matt doesn't know confrontation is confrontation. He'll just say something very directly and somebody go, oh, am I being attacked? And it's like, no, 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 dude. He's just like, that's what he says. And I saw it a little bit when we were talking in one of our talks, um, he walked by an assistant coach and, and was just kind of like, Hey man, what was, what was that on the two minute drill? Um, and it was just kind of like, I, I kind of was like, Oh, okay. Um, but it wasn't yelling. It was just like a direct short curt kind of like, what was that? You know? And, and Steno told the story about how he just early on in this, this, this season, um, they couldn't give him the specifics on it in his off season where LaFleur was just like, Hey, what's up with these protection rules here? You know, and just at, literally just asking a question and they studied it and they were like, you know what, this could be much better. And I think that kind of interrogation Go, a it goes both ways. I think LaFleur is totally comfortable with Aaron Rodgers saying, "We've, as we said in the story, you know, going saying, hey, man, we've got motion on every single play. Can we please run some stuff that isn't isn't motion so we can actually get some tempo in this practice, right? That sort of thing. Um, and so I think there's a, there's a level of honesty that I think impresses, I think, both sides of the relationship, coach and player. The, the NBA comparison that you made um, is interesting because especially in football, there is a culture of hierarchy and the coach mm -hmm. is in charge. And this is my locker room and all that stuff. And immediately, um, Matt LaFleur changed that because that was the Mike McCarthy way. And it became an empowering of the players and everyone, everyone in that locker room talked about it. I remember at the end of the 2019 season, um, doing the interviews in, in the Seattle locker room after they beat the Seahawks in that playoff game. And guys talked about how much fun they were having. Mm -hmm. And and Brian Bulaga said, this is like the most fun I've had playing football in my NFL career. And Aaron Rodgers said he sort of rediscovered the fun when you're watching practice, someone who's not there every day. Does, does it look different to you than, than when you go to other teams? Like, is there something that stands out? Uh, I'm, I don't want to make an Yes. So first of all, not even on the field. Matt LaFleur wants families around all the time, which is very different um, than a lot of places when you come off, when the players come off the sideline, it's a lot of, Hey, this, this Adrian Amos's kid is here and everybody's coming over to, to high five him or whatever. Um, that's an interesting wrinkle. And, and LaFleur talked about that a little bit in the piece where he was basically just like, you know, this, we make so many sacrifices. I just, especially in camp when you have the opportunity, just, just, just have the guys there as much as possible. Um, Aaron Rodgers being a practice, and I'm sure you've seen enough of this. It's so different because he's so much better than everybody. Like if you were not allowed to see the players and you could just see the passes, it is not a slight of Jordan love. It's not a slight of anybody. Cause I've seen it. I've seen it when he's had veteran backups. I've seen it when he's had Matt Flynn. I've seen it when he's had Scott Tolson. No like, especially when you see the, uh, when he throws into the net 
you know, the little, little tiny net that, that goes viral every couple of years when he hits it. Like it is unbelievable. I mean, the, the passes look like they speed up in the middle of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the tempo of practice, the, the mood of practice, I think that they're pretty good. They've got enough leaders, you know, Malifer wants to be player led. They've got enough leaders to, 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 to keep it all propelling forward. Even a guy like David Bakhtiari, when he's not healthy is still keeping him, keeping the mood up. Um, so I, you know, it'd be hard for me to say, like, I can tell, I, I think you can usually tell a winning team just by practice of a training camp. And if the team's going to be good, if they have, you, know, you can just see if they have juice or not. Um, that is a little bit of a sliding scale. Um, and it's, you kind of know it when you see it, it's not like I go in there and say, I have, like, you know, you sometimes see like the Jason Garrett Cowboys, like never any juice on the field. And you know, all these actors are on the sidelines and Jason Garrett's talking to some NCIS actor while they're doing third down <laughs> install. And it's just like this, this, I can tell this isn't good. And so it's, it's always a little bit of junk science though, for me to say a winning team always does this or winning team always or losing team always does this kind of have to, to, to get there and then figure it out. Um, but I will say Matt LaFleur runs his practice in a way that I think reflects his philosophy, which is player led energetic, um, empowering of, of his superstars and just letting Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers, frankly. You wrote this awesome Joe Burrow feature um, a couple weeks ago now, and, and you've done Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. Is there, and this is a difficult question to, to ask, and but I'm sure you've thought about it just because I, I think that's how your brain works. Are there, are there things that when you're writing these stories, you, you've done enough of them now where you're like, okay, th- it's interesting. These are the common denominators that I see in these great guys. They, yeah. whether it's the way people talk about them or the, the way that they practice or like, are, are there, are there little things, trends that you're noticing things that you're picking up on? Yeah. So here's a big one. Always extremely comfortable talking about their failures always. And in the Joe Burrow story, I mentioned that there were some DBs who, when I asked them to talk about being beat by Joe Burrow, were like, nah, I'm good. I'm good, bro. Like, I'm not going to talk about that. You said Darnell so, Savage was one of those guys who uh, got beat by say? Joe Burrow. Who's to say? Um, but, uh, but the, uh, the, the, I, I, I think that that, I did say that on Rousseau, um, he is one of those guys. But um, when I think about what, if I went up to Joe Burrow and I said, take me, and I, I couldn't because he had appendix surgery. But if I said to him, take me through the last play of the Super Bowl, you don't see Jamar Chase on the outside. My guess is he'd sit there for 20 minutes and explain that play, why it failed, what he was thinking. Patrick Mahomes will sit there. And I do it every year now. It's almost like a cheat code where I just say, hey, bro, what'd you learn last year when you sucked? You know, And like I don't say that, but it's like he wants to talk about that stuff because he's thinking about that stuff. And you see that in other interviews. And I actually learned that because I was watching an interview, uh, a very short interview with Kurt Warner uh, with Mahomes before I got there two years ago or last year. Is that the Super Bowl and the Bucks Super Bowl? And Mahomes kept being like, "Oh, you know, when I was watching the Super Bowl, I noticed this, this, this." And then I was like, "Man, he really wants to talk about this. He really wants to talk about what he learned at the Super Bowl." And then we started talking about it, and he was amazing about it because he watched over and over, not for motivation. He's not that guy. He's not the guy saying, "I'm going to have this on a loop." Like someone told me that. Ohio State was playing the Michigan game on a loop, like all uh, all all off season or something when they're working out. Like yeah. guys do it all the time, right? And uh, that's not him. He wants to learn from it, right? And I think that 
that's the through line is that Aaron Rodgers, you know, I remember a couple years ago, um, I ranked Aaron Rodgers low on my top 10 and all these people got mad at me. And I had, I remember I had, it was after the 2015 season. I had Andy Dalton higher um, because he, he was, was an MVP candidate and all that stuff. And <laughs> one of the reasons that I did that is because you know who was the who hated Aaron Rodgers play in 2015 more than any human being on the planet, more than me, more than anybody on Twitter. Aaron I assume Rogers. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers did. And if you talk to Aaron Rodgers after the 2015 season, he wanted to be. I, I think he gave the quote. It may have been Peter Thing. They like when he watched the tape, he wanted to puke. You know, and part of it for me making that mistake, and I think it was like the third podcast I ever did in 2016. Part of that was just not realizing that like. That's what the greats do. Like that's what the greats do. And and when you think about last year, Joe Burrow having the problems with Jamar Chase. Remember where he was seeing ghosts and stuff. And and so I I talked to him. And I said, listen, man, what's going on here? And he was like, well, I normally have good vision, but after my knee surgery, I'm getting out here, and all I'm seeing is a wall of people, which is probably, frankly, what you or I would see if we were in full speed reps. It's just like you haven't gotten the the probably the 2015 vision back. That you normally have with looking at the linebackers, looking at the DBs, being able to see a vision is so important to him when you think about how he can throw in a double coverage and all that stuff and, and seeing the body positions, he didn't have it. And I noticed in the conversation, I was like, man, he's telling me this because he's going to fix it. And I kind of think there's this honesty here that is so important because if I went up to Kellen Mond, he'd probably be like, eh, I'm actually having a great camp. You know, um, like no shots to Kellen Mond. I'm just saying, like, there's a difference between a Mahomes and a QB2. Um, and I, I, I think it starts there. It's that they understand what they need to do and they're completely comfortable with themselves because they know that what they're doing to improve is going to work. Well, how would you react if Aaron Rodgers came up to you and was like, hey, Kevin, you didn't have a great podcast last week. Like, let's talk about it. I would ask him to come on the podcast to help out prove it. I'd be like, <laughs> there's a really good way for us to have a better podcast. At least you, if you were guessing, yeah, why don't you come on? Who'd really help if you were here? Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, like it, it's, it's, it's an interesting point. How would any of us take it? If someone right. said to us, like, we're not very good at our jobs. Um, and I don't think, you know, it, I, I do think there's some personalities like Andy Reid did not want to talk about that slump. And I think that's just because, that he's just not a very chatty guy um, in general, but yeah, he he's not the kind of guy who wants to introspect. I think the players themselves view it differently. And that's why I think it's just so fascinating. All right. This has been awesome. I could talk with you about this forever. Um, <laughs> and, and I'll probably text you and we can talk about it more offline. Uh, you have a ton of stuff going on. You just launched a new show. Let my listeners know where they can find all of yeah, that. So it's called slow news day. It's a video series we've been on for a long time. Um, and we're making it a three day, week podcast Mondays and Fridays will be like pure football talk Mondays NFL recap Fridays NFL plus college Wednesday is a normal video show so it's if you have Spotify it's going to be a video podcast which is really really cool awesome technology if you just want to hear the football talk especially on Mondays and Fridays um, subscribe on Apple all that stuff Wednesdays going to be a little weirder if you're an Apple subscriber because it's it's a video show that's going up but it's still like I heard I talked to people who only listened to it on, on Apple uh, and even though it was a video show they, they enjoyed it. So um, that's where my football talk is going to be this year. It's going to be really cool. Um, and yeah, so slow news day, Kevin Clark uh, on the Spotify app. Awesome. Kevin. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, bro. All right. 
Thanks to Kevin Clark for joining the show. Awesome to talk to him. Loved that conversation. Um, he is is terrific at, at those kinds of profiles and is a fun guy to talk to about them, about process and all that good stuff. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Before we finish up, Bet Online is your number one resource for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all of the latest league developments, game matchups, news and podcasts, including this year's opening week games. They were all there. Guess what? Week two is going to be all there again. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering info, including live betting, esports and scores, baseball, boxing, golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. Bet Online where the game starts. And thanks for making Locked on Packers your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. It's Zhao Yu doing time. Lily Zhao from Fox 6 in Milwaukee, who is just on with Kay Adams. On FanDuel, we love to see our people out here absolutely thriving. Shout out to Lily. She will be on our program tomorrow as she will be every Wednesday during the season. We have our crossover Thursday, our live show on Friday, and then it's Packers, Bears, Baby Week 2. Check out the Leap Substack. Uh, the leap.com or the leap.substack.com is probably a better URL because that's the right URL. Jason Hershorn um, had a good piece today. I've got mine coming later in the week. A lot more stuff to come there. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920 341-3775 to stay locked on Packers.